Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Black and deal, baby. Welcome to the Jen Jang Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 33rd episode of the Jen Jack Podcast and the first episode with our all new intro. Uh, we've had a Fun time trying to get a little intro together. It's a little corny, but we had some fun with it. Uh, you know, got to show the black and teal love and all that, but we're happy to have an intro now, a little bit more official. Plus, it's easier not to pick a new song every yeah. week. And really, the entire point of getting an intro is so we can be lazier. Yeah, exactly. We don't it just makes to, it that much easier. <laughs> we don't have to come up with a song to bring you in with every week. We get to just do the same old thing every week. And not have to worry about it. So, it really is all about being lazy for us here at the Jim Jack Podcast. And that's kind of, we, we just embrace that. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, it's, it's great to have everybody here with us today. This episode, as all of our episodes, is presented by Bold City Brewery. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. You can find my co-host Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can find myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And make sure to check out Generation Jaguar online at genjag.com for all the latest news, analysis, videos, podcasts, uh, blog posts. We've got it all up there for you. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar on Twitter at Generation Jag. How are we doing today, Scott? Doing good, doing good. Trying not to, try not to cough as much. We're both, we're both yeah, under the weather. We're both under the weather today. I've been at home all day, unfortunately, and uh, so neither of us are too interested in drinking beers right now. But nonetheless, we've got a a nice brew here from Bold City. That's a oatmeal stout, over eleven percent alcohol. Needless to say, we won't be drinking a lot of that. <laughs> Uh, both of us trying to recover over here, but we're here for you, the fan. We've got a lot to get into this week. Uh, we just didn't see fit to take off a week when there's so much stuff going on with the Jaguars and so much fun stuff to get into. Um, I'd like to remind everybody our membership program's still going on. If you haven't signed up for your membership yet, you can do so at genjag.com. That membership comes with Free eating and free beverages sponsored by Bold City Brewery, Carve Vodka, Green Room Brewing, and Bricks Tap House at all of our home game tailgates. You get to drink and eat for free. You get a t-shirt, koozie, sticker, member card gets you discounts at our sponsor establishments. So make sure to go check that out at genjag.com. If you have yet to get your season tickets, you can check out our... Um, Gen Jag seating section. It's section 216. You can find out all the information for that. If you go to genjag.com and check out the game day tab, 
you'll see more of that information. We'd love to have you come sit with us in 216. Um, before we get into some Jags, uh, just want to cover a couple of non-Jags related topics. Connor McGregor and <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, it just was announced they're going to get get after it in August. Lord. I mean, they're going to be boxing against each other. Mayweather is perhaps the greatest pound-for-pound pound boxer ever. And you've got a guy, Conor McGregor, who's a... Uh, he's a good boxer for a UCF fighter, but he's not a professional boxer. He's a professional fighter. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, I, can see, I could kind of see... The only way I see this going in McGregor's favor is if Mayweather gets out of his get gets out of his element. Normally he's a technician, you know, he'll let the, the fight come to him. He's not going to be the wild man. Yeah, Mike he's Tyson. just going to land more punches than the other guy and yeah. that's how he normally operates. Get into a go into a shell. Yeah. Get, Mayweather might try to knock him out. He might he might try to try to put this UCF guy running up into his turf in his place and UFC I'm sorry, UFC. <laughs> we get we get UCF on the mind a lot down here in Jacksonville. I mean, it's only a couple hour drive away. Our quarterbacks from UCF, and we're working out. The Jaguars are working out um, UCF's starting quarterback from last season. He's a one of eight players that's trying out for the Jaguars during veteran minicamp this week. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more of that later. Uh, but like we said, there's a ton to get into. OTAs are done. Many camps here. We've got the first two days of many camps in the books. Uh, Chris Snee, who used to be an offensive lineman, Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants, he has officially been hired as a college scout by the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars have a new identity. Its name is Leonard Fournette. We'll get into that. We'll get into the PFF Minute, which is going to be a new segment entitled. Uh, <laughs> Only because we've been doing pretty much a PFF (laughs) minute for the last several episodes. Many episodes we've talked about pro football focus. Uh, We don't always agree with everything they put out there, but they do a lot of work and it's very entertaining and informational uh, to see everything they put out there. We'll get into what they've done with the Jaguars in the last week. We'll get into our... Third installment of my favorite segment, Keep One, Drop One. Um, We have a lot of fun doing that. That segment is totally unrealistic in (laughs) most situations, but it's fun. And it kind of shows who's a more valuable piece to the future of the Jaguars. So anyways, without further ado, we will get into it. Uh, OTAs finished Friday. That was the last part of the voluntary off-season workouts for Jaguars and all teams. So this week started minicamp on Tuesday, June 13th. That was the first day of mandatory off-season work. And the only mandatory off-season work is from June 13th to June 15th, so the three days this week, which is just crazy that... That's the only required off-season work. Um, That's the NFLPA for you. Yeah, it's, it's something else. But then the Jaguars and their players get five weeks off. I'm sure most players and coaches, for that matter, will still be working on their craft diligently. 
if they're not, I'm sure Doug Marone's going to be up their ass about <laughs> yeah. that. So, um, yeah, they'll have a five-week break before they reconvene for training camp close to the end of July. And um, so let's go ahead and get into some minicamp storylines. Brandon Albert reported to minicamp. He ended his holdout or contract dispute, whatever you want to call it. He's in Jacksonville. Uh, He passed his conditioning test. He did say Tom Coughlin gave him a little uh, razzing when they first saw each other (laughs) about him being a little overweight. Uh, (laughs) Of course Tom did that. He's just got to get something in on all these guys, which is good. I think even Doug Doug Marone said something about... Well, now he can get into football shape. (laughs) Right, and that's something Doug Marone always harps on, no matter what the player is, who the player is. If you're not here, you're not going to be in football shape. Mm -hmm. That's just how he feels about it. He's probably right for the most part. Um, But Albert's here. He's proclaimed that he will be here for a training camp, that the contract dispute is in the past. Uh, Basically, he confirmed that the Jaguars had not, in fact, given him a verbal agreement that they were going to give him a better deal, which was kind of rumored and reported on right when the trade went down with Brandon Albert. But the Jaguars didn't guarantee him anything. And basically, I think once Albert saw all these veteran um, offensive linemen that were even older than him getting more money than him, he basically was like, well... Shit, we should yeah. be getting paid more. Yeah, and I mean, I, it, it was just to send a message. That's yeah, it. this is this is this is about as much as he can do without actually giving money right away. And he lost all leverage when the Jaguars drafted Cam Robinson. Yeah, so um, he's only making a little bit more than Luke Jokel is this year, which is kind of funny <laughs> to think about. Yeah. Luke Jokel got an eight million dollar one year deal with the Seahawks. He's gonna have some. Uh, some big time competition up there in the uh, Northwest, trying to slow down some of those pass rushers that oh, they yeah. have in that division. The Rams got all sorts of pass rushers: yeah. Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn. Cardinals have Chandler Jones. There's a ton of uh, a ton of really impact pass rushers up there that he's going to have to deal with. But Albert, he projects to be the team's starting left tackle. Uh, he's never played any other position in the NFL. It seems like they're going to try to get their best five on the field based on everything they've been saying the entire offseason. They're going to try to get their best five offensive linemen on the field. be pretty shocking if he's not one of them. Yeah. Unless the only thing that would do that is if Cam Robinson just blew his doors off in training camp. Right. Which you, you would hope for as a Jaguars fan because that means you just got to – Starting left tackle in the second round. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, I mean, yeah. It, it looks like Albert's probably going to take the reins and then maybe Cam slips inside. Yeah. And now one thing which is really positive that I think kind of a negative picture has been painted by Jaguars fans and uh, all that <clears throat> based on the Brandon Albert holdout situation. He's been painted in kind of a negative light. But last year, um, the Dolphins added uh, Laramie Tunsil mm-hmm. 
in the first round, and Albert took him under his wing and really helped him out a lot. And he said he's going to do the same thing with Cam Robinson. So that's a big deal. Uh, it, it's not easy to just teach someone how to do everything in the NFL knowing that they're your replacement. Yeah. <laughs> Groom the guy that's going to take your job. <laughs> so someone who's willing to do that is obviously a good team player. And Albert's just ready to get to football. He's ready to get all this offseason crap behind him and ready to win some games, which I think the whole Jaguars roster is ready to start winning games. Now, um, there's several injuries going on with the Jaguars. Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson have been out. All of OTAs, now they've been out through the first couple days of minicamp. D.D. Westbrook's been out a lot, but he came back today. He was catching passes for the first time in a while. Uh, One of the reasons you're not seeing any specifics on these injuries is the Jaguars don't have to report specifics at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're not going to because they don't have to. No NFL teams are doing that right now. It's just not something that they're going to do until they're required to. None of those injuries appear to be serious. I saw a picture with... Barry Church and Tashawn Gibson strolling out onto the field. They looked like they were moving just fine. Neither of them is in walking boots or have casts or anything yeah. like that. They're good to go. So uh, I think it's more of a precautionary thing at this point. Now, Kenneth Walker, who's a wide receiver from UCLA, small guy, but he's got a chance at making the roster no matter what anyone says. He's got a yeah. very small chance, but he is going to be on the roster when training camp starts, he's an undrafted free agent. He got to join the team after having to sit out due to the college graduation rule. Essentially, there's a few teams on the West Coast and a couple other teams that have a quarter-based system instead of semester-based. And so their quarters don't end until later into the summer than most colleges, which, based on the NFL graduation rule, forces these players to sit out. It's a very select amount of uh, schools that has this. UCLA, Washington, USC, a few other West Coast schools, and a couple other schools that that do the quarter-based system. But like Doug Marone always harps on, the best ability is availability, and Walker is now available. D.D. Westbrook is now available. So you've got more depth at that wide receiver spot to go out there and practice with. And uh, speaking of the tryout players, we brought this up earlier. There's going to be eight tryout players. One of them's UCF's quarterback, Justin Holman, who by all accounts really isn't an NFL talent. Uh, UCF Jaguar, who's our video correspondent here at Generation Jaguar, he's watched every UCF game, (laughs) and he's not too high on him, so... It's uh, not likely for him to stick around too long. Yeah, it's another guy that can throw the football yeah. to the wide receivers. And then more interesting, in my opinion, Garrett Scantling, who is a local star at Episcopal. He played all sorts of sports in high school. He ended up going to Georgia for uh, track and field and ended up being an All-American four times there. He was signed by the Falcons earlier this uh, offseason. It didn't work out for him there, but the Jaguars are giving it give him a shot at wide receiver. He's definitely on the smaller side, but he's a hell of an athlete. And it's a great opportunity for a local kid, again, from Episcopal. His brother, you might remember too, Hunter Scantling, 
he was a pitcher at Florida State. Uh, he was a very, very good pitcher. So, nice little local sports family. And a nice story for Garrett getting a tryout with the Jaguars. Now, the biggest offseason storyline, in my opinion, is Blake Bortles. And his improvement and maturation and all, all of that good stuff. His mechanics apparently are holding up so far through minicamp, which is a good sign. Although they didn't really start deteriorating last year until training camp um, and after training camp. So is it a good sign that they're holding up? Yes. Does it mean that they're going to hold up all year? No. Wait till the bullets start flying. Uh, that's, that's the real test. But Bortles will be going back to 3D QB in California during the five-week break to work on what he says will be more specific uh, specific type, type things with his mechanics. And he, he thinks it'll just be a lot more dialed in on the minute uh, details. I think basically they wanted to make his mechanics earlier this offseason in what he called the first offseason. Yeah. Um, basically get them to where they're at a sustainable point. Build a foundation. Right. And now they're going to get into the nitty-gritty and really focus on some specifics and try to get it to where he can have as good a season as possible heading into 2017. Uh, so I think that's great. I'm, I'm excited that he's working so much with 3D QB. Uh, they've obviously produced results with Tom Brady and all sorts of players, and they produced results with Blake Bortles in 2015. He had an excellent sophomore season for the Jaguars. Um, obviously in 2016 we've talked about this a lot but he didn't do as much work with those guys and it really hurt him so if the past is any indication of the future working with these guys is what's right for Blake Yeah. and uh, hopefully for us and for Jaguars fans everywhere those mechanics will hold up and uh, they won't have to bring in Adam Dido for an emergency uh, session (laughs) Midway through the 2017 season, like they did in 2016. Going back and thinking about that, that is just crazy and unheard of. They really were desperate, and you can't blame them, but moving forward, hopefully they'll be able to avoid such issues. Now, that pretty much covers most of the storylines coming out of minicamp. There's not a whole lot that gets reported on because... The Jaguars beat reporters that are there. They're not allowed to report on specifics. Mm -hmm. So what you see is what the Jaguars want you to see. Yep. So you see Blake Bortles highlights. Well, you didn't see the interceptions that that they didn't care to share share with you. Um, It's fun. It's a good tool. But again, it's not training camp. There's no live bullets yet, really. Mm -hmm. But... All reports are that the defense has looked really strong. It should. As it should, oh, absolutely. All the resources that have been poured into that defense over the last couple of seasons looks like it's about to really pay off. It already has paid off. I yeah. mean, when you're a top six team in terms of yardage uh, defensively in 2016, that's a big deal. Now this year it needs to pay off with more sacks and more turnovers. Um, <clears throat> we've got... 
some other fun stuff to get into that's not necessarily minicamp related. But Chris Snee, like we said earlier, has officially been hired by the Jaguars as a college scout. He worked with the team as a consultant, I believe they called it, during um, the draft process this year. Basically, he's going to be working with the team to scout offensive line Mm -hmm. in college, which is really cool. He has a great pedigree. Uh, I believe he's married to Tom Coughlin's daughter. Yeah, hey, that helps. Uh, Get a job. So, yeah, there's a lot good going on there with that relationship. And he's a guy that knows what it takes to be an offensive lineman in the NFL at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And hopefully a guy that will bring some stability uh, in terms of what the Jaguars are looking for from their offensive linemen that they're drafting. Yeah. It, uh, it always helps having guys in the building that have been there. Yeah. You know? Like when you have guys like Tony Baselli constantly around, might maybe not in an official capacity, but you know, he can get in the building. Right. He can really, you know, interact with people. Um, just having more resources that have been there and done that and performed at a high level. Yeah, and Snee <clears throat> Snee was coached by the Jaguars' current offensive line coach Pat Flaherty his whole career in New York. So there's synergy there. Flaherty and Tom Coughlin worked together in New York, so there's synergy there. And Snee obviously knows Tom Coughlin very well, I imagine. So there's a lot of synergy going on with the offensive line group. And then the head coach, Doug Marone, (laughs) was the offensive line coach for the last couple seasons. So it's a. it seems like there should be a ton of quality eyes looking at offensive linemen that are going to be drafted in the future and to where they shouldn't be missing on guys yeah and and just a general understanding of what exactly as a group they're looking for yeah their synergy they know what they're looking for exactly Snee knows what Flaherty like because he worked under him and it's just going to be it's going to be fun to see that and see where they go in terms of drafting offensive line talent in the future uh, obviously, I don't think, I don't think Snee, I don't think Snee would have been against Cam Robinson this year. I think he might have even helped out with that decision. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool uh, to see that and to see what will happen with the offensive line in the future. It seems that a few positions they're set, but long term it could only be two positions that they're set at. Yeah. Which would be wherever, wherever Brandon is. Linder plays <laughs> yeah. and Cam Robinson. Yeah. AJ Cam, depending on how he plays this year, could be a fixture, but we'll see. And, you know, if Linder moves over to right guard and Luke Bowenka or Tyler Shatley steps up at center, one of those guys could be a long-term fixture too. So it'll be fun to see what goes on with that offensive line group. And there's just so much offensive line knowledge in the building there. Yeah. That's got to be a positive thing for an offensive line that for the last five or so years, let's face it, has been very underwhelming. Brutalized at times. I mean, under Jack Del Rio, it always seemed to be a pretty solid offensive line. Mm -hmm. Under Coughlin, it was always a solid offensive line. It really hasn't been until post-2010 that the offensive line has fallen apart. And with that, the run game's fallen apart, too. Mm. And so, really, from 95 to 2010, the Jaguars were a team that could uh, 
run the ball behind their big offensive line and keep their quarterbacks protected behind their big offensive line. And the last seven years or so hasn't been further from that. Yeah. Like, it'll be really good to see this offensive line group grow. And I'm, I know I'm going off on a tangent here with the offensive line, but it really has been pathetic. Yeah. And for a franchise that has prided itself on offensive line and running the ball for 95 to 2010, like I said, what is that? That's 15 years. It's 15 years straight. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. And then they just haven't been able to do it lately. So I think that is the Jaguars' identity. I don't think they really know it yet. Or you haven't seen it yet lately, but when the Jaguars are on top of their game traditionally, it's with that offensive line and with that running game. And uh, UCF Jaguar, our video correspondent, like I mentioned before, he this week did kind of an expose on Leonard Fournette and how he is the identity of the Jaguars' offense now. And we'll get into that. Um, We'll actually get into that right now. The Jaguars... Prior to drafting Fournette, added Cam Robinson. I mean, excuse me, added Brandon Albert, which was a step in the right direction towards building a solid run game. Uh, Albert, regardless of what you want to say about his play lately, in 2015 he made the Pro Bowl, and when he's at his best, he's a dominant run blocker. Yeah. He's a big dude that can move, and he can move guys out of his way. Cam Robinson they added after they picked up Fournette in the first round. He's another guy. He's a great run blocker. That's his strong point is run yeah. run blocking. And he can get out there and move as well. Now they've added Tommy Bohannon, who's a fullback who's started in the league before. And they also drafted a fullback, Marquez Williams. So all of those moves <clears throat> certainly point towards running the ball being the identity for the Jaguars offense. And then also, what they've done at tight end also points to that. They've retained Mercedes for another year, and uh, they have Ben Koyak, who they feel is a good balanced tight end. They have Michael Rivera, who they feel can be balanced, even though he's not an excellent blocker. He's a guy that can. Uh, he's a guy that can at least give the effort in mm. terms of blocking. Yeah. Unlike Julius Thomas. So. Fournette is the future of this franchise, it seems like, really, on the offensive side of the ball. And just when, you think, when you're going to think of going down to play the Jaguars here in the future, you're going to think about Leonard Fournette. You're going to think about those behemoth offensive linemen. And you're going to think about a fullback popping you in the mouth when you're trying to get to the runner. Um, <clears throat> in the past, the Jaguars have done a lot of zone running which is basically reading the defense from the outside in. You're basically trying to get to the outside, and if your outside lanes get cut off, you're trying to bounce back inside. In a gap scheme, which is what Leonard Fournette's more comfortable with and what you usually run with a fullback or some sort of eye formation, you're running from the inside out. So you're trying to, yeah. so you're trying to hit the whole right around your guard and then if that's not there you're bouncing out you're keep searching for the hole so it's kind of an opposite system we'll see what they 
do in terms of how they want to run the ball. I imagine they're going to do a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any reason that Fournette couldn't adjust to running a zone scheme if they wanted him to. Because he's got the speed and the agility to get outside and punish defenders once he's out there. And the guys that are making plays on you usually out there are DBs. And DBs aren't trying yeah. to make plays on Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Not a lot of them, anyways. So I, think, I think he's a... Just his ability to just put his foot in the ground and make, make, a, uh, make a step and change direction. Um, not necessarily laterally, but... To, if he's going outside to cut, to just make one step and go yeah. and just hit full sprint. Um, His lateral movement is underrated in my opinion, yeah. though. Because you see plays where he uh, basically gets confronted at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't have a clean line. And guys have him dead to rights in the backfield or at the line. And he'll make a move. A lateral move, a Even juke like just move, a, little hop step a jump too. step, yeah, <laughs> yeah, to avoid a guy and then spin around another guy yeah. and then get five to ten yards out of something that should have gotten nothing. And, you know, all of his highlights that everybody sees are his big breakaway runs where it's clean blocking and he just runs past everyone and then runs through defensive backs. Well, there's more highlights beyond just that. Mm-hmm. If you watch his game footage... Uh, and Ten Ten brought this up the other day. Somebody on there was like, "I just love to see him run a wheel route." Yeah. Well, he did do that at LSU, yeah. not not frequently, but he did. There's one against Wisconsin that he did he run a wheel was. route, and he went out and he ran the route perfectly and uh, caught the ball, went up in the air and caught it. He's a player that his his game is much more complete than people give him credit yeah. for. There's no question about it. It's because it wasn't just it wasn't always on display. He yep. wasn't. It was basically. At LSU, it was just like, all right, punch him in the mouth until you can't anymore. Right. And that's what we're going to do. He, he, he was basically just a battering ram he really at was. LSU. He really was. They rode him. They rode him hard, and they did that because they really couldn't do anything else. They couldn't throw the ball. They were uncreative offensively over the last several years. And uh, <clears throat> they had nothing else, really. Even though they had talent at skill positions. Yeah, not trying to say they haven't had talent at skill out. positions. But their quarterback situation and offensive coordinating situation and just the, has been far from ideal. unwillingness to be creative. Yeah. Now, they, they'll run trick plays and do all that. But as, as far, other than, okay, let's pitch it back to him and then have him hit the A-gap. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Lack of creativeness has certainly been a problem for them. It'll be interesting to see what they do here in the future. Obviously, Darius Geis is not going to hurt them yeah. uh, going into next season. But, yeah, he could be the second straight LSU running back to go in the first round. He's good. I mean, he's a stud. There's a lot of running back talent coming out next year. Yeah, I, 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 he, Leonard Fournette will be the identity of this team. And, well, okay. They'll give him every opportunity to be. If, yeah. if he doesn't have it, 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 he just doesn't have it. But, I mean, yeah. he's got, he's, he's got he the skill. It. He's got the talent to be able to do it. He he's going it. to be featured. He's had the pressure on him ever since he was little. I he, mean, was supposed, never, he was supposed to be the next Adrian Peterson coming out of high school. 
Exactly. He I mean, was, before he was, that. He was a Heisman candidate, a top five candidate. As a freshman. As a preseason freshman. Like, before yeah. he played a snap in college. Yeah. So the expectations have always been high, and he's lived up to them for the most part. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, he's going to be fun to watch, there's no, no question. And now, with this new identity that the Jaguars are building or rebuilding, it's been absent for seven years or so, it should bring ball control into the equation now, which is something the Jaguars haven't been able to do. It should make it so they can shorten games. It should make it so they should be able to close out games. You know, they haven't been able to close out games at all mm-hmm. in the past. Last year alone, they lost 10 games by 7 points or less. Now, if you have a running game where you can control the clock in the fourth quarter, that's going to drastically change uh, drastically change the outcome a lot. How many games last year? Where the defense lights out in the first three quarters, and then they were just they were just on the they're field gassed. too long, and they're gassed in the fourth. And, and Puzz, you got to give it to Buzz Lesney for being such an awesome team guy. Uh, I remember it was after one of their losses last year, and on ten ten they were asking him, you know, the defense has been playing great. Is it frustrating yeah, not having any? Uh, not having the offense, you know, performing to the same level. And he's like, well, we're not playing great. As a great defenses go out there and make the plays when they have to make yeah. them, they get off the field on third down and they finish games. We're not doing that. So even though the offense didn't do jack last year most <laughs> of the time, Puzlesny still wasn't satisfied. And that's kind of a, a story that hasn't been – getting as much play as maybe it should be, it is a risk taking Puzlesny out of the middle. Yeah. He's been the middle linebacker for the last seven years, I believe, and he's been a great middle linebacker. He had perhaps his best season last year, and this defense was an effective defense most of the time when he was a middle linebacker last year. He was the team's highest-rated player last year from pro football focus. He had a grade of an 88, and he's the guy that gets everybody in position. He's the guy that knows everything that's supposed to happen on the defense. He's the guy that can help Telvin out. He's getting moved to strong side linebacker, and he'll no longer be that type of guy in the middle. And putting Miles Jack in, there's a big risk. Obviously, there's a risk-reward factor with Jack, and you have to do it at some point when you draft a guy that highly. You have to get him in the game, but mm. you can really see why the Jaguars didn't want to take Paws off the field last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a solid run defender. He knows the game inside out. Uh, but he's an aware pass defender. Yeah, he he he's capable of doing certain things that you ask of him. There are just times where he's just he's completely incapable of what right. you asked him to do. And Miles Jack has a lot less of those. As far as in coverage goes, because of his athletic ability. And that's the way the league is. is yeah, physically, he can do everything on the field. Miles Jack is the future of middle linebackers in this league. No question. Puzlesny is kind of the last of a dying breed. Yeah, he's one of the last, that's for sure. That's yeah. just a big, hulking guy at, in the middle. Um, Doug Marone spoke yesterday. Uh, he said he wants to get out there 
and get the fans rocking, get the stadium rocking. He wants to start kicking other teams' asses and partying like rock stars after the game. And uh, you like to hear that, obviously. We'll be doing that before the game. <laughs> yeah, we'll be partying before and especially after if, oh, yeah. if what Doug Marone's talking about comes to fruition. Uh, he also, on a more, uh, I guess, a note that actually matters. He talked about two traits that he believes are possibly the two most important traits for players to have, and that's coachability and availability. If a guy's out there and he's not listening to the coaches, he's just going through the motions, that's not going to help the team. It's not going to help anyone. And if a guy can't get out there, that's not helping anyone. So the availability factor has certainly not been there for Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson. They're both veterans. They both know what they're doing. Hopefully they'll get in here ready for training camp and be good to go. But you don't want to see that becoming a story in training camp if Barry Church or Deshaun Gibson isn't playing well or is missing assignments or seems a bit out of shape. That could be a real storyline. And then obviously availability is now in the favor of D.D. Westbrook who was available today. So that'll be good for the rookie trying to trying to get on the field and make an impact in year one. I, there's a lot of expectations for him. I have a lot of expectations for him. I expect him to make an impact on special teams year one and at least show the ability to take the top off the defense at times. Yeah, I, I think he'll flash. You, I think this year he'll have a lot of wow moments. Yeah, it's not going to be that consistent year. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be like Tyreek Hill where he just blows the doors off everybody. Right. But, I mean, there's going to be times where you're just like, holy crap, look at this guy go. And the Chiefs were almost forced into using Tyreek Hill so much last year. All field, too. Because, I mean, they have Kelsey and Macklin, who Macklin's not there anymore, but last year that's what they had. That's all they had. Yeah. And so Hill was their offense last year. He was year. wide receiver, running back, yeah. kick returner, punt returner. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see this year. He's their number one go-to guy. Yeah. So with teams being able to key in on him, we'll see what goes on there, obviously. But I, yeah, I, I think a guy like D.D. Westbrook can have that kind of impact. Yeah, I really do too. I think Tyreek was a little bit more physically uh, – mm-hmm. I think he's a more physical player. Yeah. In he's terms of upper body strength, bulkier, maybe. Yeah. But he's not that much bigger in no, terms no. of weight. So, Didi's six foot, and he's he appears ready to go. It'll be really fun to see what happens with him this year, if he's only a special teams impact, or if he's able to get himself on the field. And even if he's not making big plays on a regular basis, if you just see the ability, yeah, see him running by defenders, uh, that'll be really interesting. The, the all-22 is going to be fun to watch with him yeah it just, is. just even even if he's not featured on the play just watch him just going up against defenses and, yeah and watching him run his routes he's yeah. an incredible route runner he's so sudden in his movements yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to the nfl defenders probably playing a bit more physically against mm-hmm. him and how they adjust to just his combination of speed and shiftiness yeah because He's much different than Marquise Lee. Okay. They're both seen as explosive, athletic wide receivers, but they do it in different ways. Lee has good long speed, and 
He has decent change of direction, but he really does not accelerate that quickly. He's kind of yeah. He's like he's kind of a straight line, um, a straight line runner. Whereas you put you put Didi in a phone booth. And he'll go one. He'll go one to uh, zero to sixty exactly. in, in a second. Like he's he'll, he'll blow you away without even while blinking. Right, and the way he can control his speed and slow down on a route just yeah. ever so slightly, and then just regain his momentum and keep going back in the other direction. If you don't know what we're talking about, just go watch some of his game footage. If you really want to see it on display, sorry Scott, but go watch his game footage yeah, against he, Texas. He just he just annihilated us. He did him in the Oklahoma and the Oklahoma State game, I believe it was. There yeah. Was two. Now again, you're listening to the 33rd episode of the Gen Jag podcast. You can find us online at genjag.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar, on Twitter at Generation Jag. Follow Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on. Twitter. You can follow myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And um, you can go give our other co-host, Hunter Evans, who's recovering from a labrum procedure. Couldn't be here with us today. Uh, don't give him crap today. Send him some, uh, some nice, happy thoughts. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter, at Coach H underscore Evans. So... Uh, let's go ahead and get into our PFF minute, which is going to be more than a minute. We just say minute because it sounds good. <laughs> uh, Blake Bortles. All three of these infographics, by the way, came out in the last week. And I think I think PFF just has people working around the clock putting out infographics. Because I was looking at their, their timeline on Twitter. They're putting out infographics like once an hour, twenty four hours a day. Yeah, it's nuts. It's 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 always these obscure like stats that like you would really have to focus in on one particular like tiny aspect of one yeah. portion of this person's play. It's crazy. Lots of work and lots of studying goes into it. And shout out to them again. I know we don't always agree with everything they say, but their stats are super informative. Super informational, just all around great, great product that they put out. Um, we're gonna have to get one of their uh, their contributors on the show here pretty yeah. soon. Talk to one of those guys, and uh, he can be the guest for the PFF minute. But getting back to the infographics that they put out about the Jaguars this week, Blake Bortles had the second highest quarterback rating on slant routes in 2016, trailing only Aaron Rodgers. And, and that rating was 127.3. So it wasn't just like yeah. a good rating. It was like an outstanding yeah. rating. And I can think of several slants that I think uh, receivers had dropped balls last year that were picked. I can definitely think of a couple from Marquise. But how about that? Yeah. I mean, that's good timing with your wide receivers. Being able to quickly diagnose where the defender is and where your guy's going to be. Um, it shocks me that he's right above Tom Brady and yeah. that he's that high in general. But, I mean, these guys, they, they spent the whole, like, the whole offseason together almost. So, I mean, they, he's got a good relationship with his wide receivers. They just sometimes let him down at times. Yeah, and he let, he let them down plenty of times last oh, yeah. year too. Um, 
That's really mind-blowing to see that, though. And then you also see how good he is in three wide receiver sets. Mm. And you start to see some things that maybe the Jaguars can key on. Yeah. Obviously, the rest of the NFL will be privy to that information as well. But maybe you can set up some other, set up your opponents uh, by, you know, you know they're studying you, you're studying you. Maybe you can set them up with some of these situations, set them up to fail because they think they know what you're going to be doing. It'll be interesting to see how they balance their newfound philosophy of we're going to pound the rock and we're going to be a running team versus being able to utilize all the weapons that they have. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, they have the weapons to be a real aired out type offense. Yeah. Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook. You got your tight ends, Neil Sterling and Michael Rivera that can be very effective passing targets. And then Mercedes and Koyak can also be effective in limited roles in terms of uh, being receiving threats. So there's just so much to work with in terms of throwing the ball. You're right. And, and Bortles, his seeming... Seemingly, his best areas are in situations that are the opposite of what Leonard Fournette has been best at. Because Leonard Fournette hasn't been running a lot of shotgun. Yeah. He hasn't been running a lot of three wide receiver sets. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting, absolutely, to see how they find that balance. That's why they get paid the big bucks. And then uh, <clears throat> it'll also be interesting to see. Uh, See how they. I, I think they'll really try to get the play action game going mm-hmm. because obviously Bortles is good when he's outside the pocket. He can make some really yeah. impressive plays. And they should be able to get that going with the running game and having the play action feed off that. So, but what, what, what we've really learned from this is that as long as every wide receiver is running a slant, we can't lose. That's <laughs> really go. the main thing. Just run to, slants. To all day. Yeah, that's it. Slants. <laughs> <laughs> it's proven he's better than Tom Brady. That's yeah. it. BFF said it first. That's right. Blake Bortles is going to be better than Tom Brady in 2017. <laughs> now, they also came out with a graphic that shows the Jaguars' three highest rated players, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, in 2016. The two highest rated guys were both on other teams and... Uh, 2016, which were uh, A.J. Boye, who got rated a 91 overall, and Calais Campbell, who got rated a 90 overall. Both of them were on different teams last year. Boye with the Texans, Campbell with the Cardinals. Uh, we all know how good Boye was last year. He, he was pretty much a shutdown corner. He was... It looked almost like he was draped all over the receivers <laughs> in most situations, like Almost holding, but, you know, it didn't get caught a lot. Yeah. So he was playing very good technique. He really, really blankets receivers. And um, it's possible that he could even have a better statistical year this year playing with such a good defense around him and yeah. playing opposite Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Calais Campbell, he he has just been a freak. Scott was watching some more tape of him <laughs> yeah, today. I had to. <laughs> I, I was listen. I was listening to to him talk on, uh, I think it was Jaguars Live, and um, he just he's he's very well spoken in that 
deep chocolatey <laughs> just the dreamy voice that he's got um it's he the, watching him play he goes all over the the defensive line he plays inside um a lot of times he he's fighting double teams but one-on-one against a guard or a center this guy eats them alive yeah it's unreal how quick and agile he is He's 6'8", 300 pounds. That's enormous. And he's going to be playing on the outside. Yeah, That shows you what kind of athlete he is. He really is something. He's a real specimen. And I think a lot of people don't realize how big of an impact of a free agent signing this was. He's going to transform the Jaguars' defensive line into what was a good unit and to what should be a top-five unit, mm-hmm. bar none. I think that the Jaguars... Defensive line is the best position group on the roster, even though you can take a look at the corners and DBs as a whole and really like them. I just think you see Malik Jackson combined with Calais Campbell and forget about the rest of them, just those two guys right there. That makes you an elite, elite group. Those guys can't be guarded one-on-one. Yeah, you're going to have to have an extra body to account for those guys and that just opens up holes for everyone else I don't know how you do it you can't double team either of them then what are you going to do with Avery Jones can a guy can a center or guard handle him alone just no that's what year, I'm saying like this year size yeah, of him I, and then, I don't know how you double team any guy on the Jaguars defensive line without being insanely worried about yeah. the other guy getting after the quarterback because yeah. let's say you double team Calais you're leaving Malik one-on-one, you're leaving Avery Jones one-on-one, you're leaving Unique Ngakwe one-on-one in base situations. That's yeah. what you'd be doing. That's a lot of, that's a lot of opportunity for success right there. <laughs> it absolutely you, is. That you basically have to keep a, keep a tight end in or running back to block or chip somebody. or And then that affects the play that you're running and it takes more time to develop, so you have more time to get to the quarterback. And It's crazy how many little things and in half seconds and milliseconds you can delay an offense can affect the entire game it's oh, yeah. insane how, it everything. how the littlest things can make the difference in the play yeah and we're not the only ones raving about Campbell he's made multiple top 100 lists yeah. so far including the NFL players top 100 list this offseason and he's drawn rave reviews from Doug Marone, who hasn't been quick to give out compliments on players so far this offseason, but he's been incredibly complimentary of, of uh, Calais Campbell. And he spoke with Mike Garofolo of NFL Network, and he told Garofolo, I'm very fortunate to have been around some unbelievable players. He, Calais Campbell, is right up there. I can't say enough good things about him. The professionalism he displays and the way he goes about his business in this day and age, you can't put a price on that. That's what this league needs. If every player was like Calais Campbell, this league would be a much better league. And I don't know how you could be more complimentary of a player. And I, and, I, and I love the fact when the whole... I, I remember uh, before we signed him, um, he all of a sudden Denver came in. And you were like, they were they were out offering similar money. I had a pair, and it was his, and it was his home. T- he's from Denver, yeah. 
and, he, and a it's serious just, panic attack. But then he get, he goes through. He went, thought about it with his family. He made the decision to come to Jacksonville, and he went and for, on national TV. You know, went on NFL Network and stuff, and they were like, "Man, why'd you go to Jacksonville?" Like, kind of giving a hard time about it. And he he set up there, and he's like, "I just, you know, you get in the building, you see what they have. They've got pieces. There's a feeling in the building, yeah. and it's just he, you know, he he actually want. It seems like he wants to be here." Yeah, and while Doug Marone has been slow to really uh, be complimentary of anyone except for Calais, Calais has been very complimentary of a lot of the pieces the Jaguars have. Mm-hmm. Every time he gets interviewed, he's talked about how Dante Fowler's the most athletic player on the field. We don't know about that. See Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> but he's been very complimentary, and I don't think he's doing it to be a nice guy. I think he's being genuine. Yeah. I don't think he knows how to not be genuine. Uh, so it's going to be really fun to watch that defensive line. And Paul Puzlesny, like we said, he was the third rated, uh, third highest rated Jaguar player in 2016, according to PFF. He recorded a score of an 88.4. And like I said earlier, he was dynamite last season. It is a risk. Not, not a long-term risk, in my opinion, putting Miles Jack in there this year. But it is possible that this defense won't be as cohesive as it could be without Paul Puzlesny in the middle this year, at least to start. Yeah. It's very possible. Now, hopefully Jack picks all this up really quickly in training camp and really hits the ground running, but that's not a guarantee. It's really not. I'm confident in Jack. I love him. I would have been okay if they drafted him with the fifth overall pick in 2016. Just saying. Do not overlook the impact that Paul Puzlesny had on this team last year and over the last several years. Now, the third and final graphic that PFF put out about the Jags this week, and I keep saying they put out graphics about the Jags. They're not about the Jags. They're featuring Jaguars players. Uh, Obviously, the highest-rated Jaguars one was about the Jags. But this one, the next one we're getting into here, was about the – Four three outside linebackers, which is the system the Jaguars run. Four three outside linebackers that had the highest pass rush productivity, according to Pro Football Focus. And pass rush productivity, their description for that is a rating that measures pre- pressure created on a per snap basis with weighting towards sacks. So basically, it's a formula they came up with that rates. Uh, players pass rush productivity and according to this formula Telvin Smith was the third highest rated uh, pass rusher from the 4-3 outside linebacker position now 4-3 outside linebackers are incredibly different than 3-4 outside linebackers 3-4 outside linebackers are pretty much pass rushers 4-3 outside linebackers are not really pass rushers especially at his position right especially at the will and they do blitz sometimes, and that's where Smith gets this uh, productivity from. But that's just another positive uh, feather in the cap for Telvin Smith moving forward. Yeah. He's done a lot of good things so far, and to be an effective pass rusher when called upon is another key factor that he brings to the, brings to the table for the Jaguars. And I think a lot of that is, is a reason why he... It's a reason why he's also a good run 
defender is because he he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to maul his way in there, but he he can just fit into the smallest places <laughs> and yeah. be able to find the hole and sniff it out and just do it going full speed and be able to to, to make solid contact when he gets there. Um, I, he's a heck of a football player. We can rave about any any one of these dude defenders, but I mean, and there was a Mike K. Uh, I believe wrote an article about it um, that included him talking about he deserves a contract. He's going to get paid. It might not be here, and that's yeah a we'll likely see. scenario. I don't know. I, I should say it's a probable scenario. Uh, how, how it's much a probable gonna... scenario that he doesn't get signed here? I'm sorry, likely. It's probable that he will make mon- more money than most of the players at his position because yeah. he has shown a capability to do more things than quite a few other players in this league. But it's also probable that or I'm sorry, it's also likely that the Jaguars aren't going to want to put money in a not-premier position. I don't know if I would say it's likely. I think that the Jaguars value him. I think that they value his leadership. I think that outside linebacker, while it is undervalued compared to some other positions, if you have a guy that can be a true leader of your team, and he's not aging, he's going into a second contract, a lot of times when you see these uh, linebackers get um, released by the team that drafted them, it's going into the third contract, not the second contract. Mm-hmm. He's going to command a pretty penny, and he might be one of the highest paid outside linebackers when it's said and done. I don't know if I would say it's likely that the Jaguars won't re-sign him, but it will certainly be interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, I personally... And I have a bit of a contingency plan behind him. Exactly. And there, Blair Brown. There's a lot of... I'm basing this on... Uh, Tom Coughlin's history in New York. Um, I'm basing this on the draft that they just took on uh, taking his seemingly replacement. Um, it just weak side linebackers are not on the highest priority list, but when you have a player who can make the plays that Telvin can, it kind of changes things. Yeah. Yeah. For me, he has the ability to play at an elite level at his position. And when you have guys that have that ability to play at an elite level at any position, they got to become priorities. Because he's, he's not just another outside linebacker. Yeah. I think that's very clear. Uh, which, <clears throat> this is kind of off topic, but that's kind of why I was totally in and okay with the Jaguars selecting Fournette. He was an elite player at his position. Yeah. Uh, I think there was only two elite players in this class. Can't miss elite players. Him and Miles Garrett. And um, that's not to say there's not going to be other great players from this class, because there certainly will be. But neither of them had any real big question marks. There was no warts. They could both do it all. They can both do it at the highest level, the SEC level. And I think Telvin's another guy like them where you really have to value what he brings to the table. And if the Jaguars do end up moving on from Telvin after this year, they're going to really need someone else to step up. 
And I and I, I as a leader after the draft, I talked about him being one of my favorite players from that draft, just because of the energy that he brings. Yeah, he really does He's bring never, a lot of energy. Now, um, one of our new writers at GenJag.com is doing a, a series ranking the AFC South. He started out with the quarterbacks. Uh, Go check him out. His name's Sharif, by the way. You can find him on Twitter, at OG underscore Jaguars. Uh, he rated Andrew Luck one, obviously. I think both of us can easily agree Andrew Luck's number one. Yep. He's the only one who's played at an elite, elite level in the NFL. He hasn't really been playing at elite level over the last couple of years, but he's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with poor offensive line play. He's te- dealt with a terrible defense. So... Uh, he's clearly head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, now, Sharif believes that Blake Bortles is going to be the second best quarterback in the AFC South. And he has some fair reasons why, but I, I do believe he's overlooked Mariota. I think it's unreasonable to say at this point that Bortles is better than Mariota or projects to be better than Mariota. Yeah, uh... I think projecting Bortles, if he can recreate his 2015 season, which blows out any season Mariota's had yet, which they're having in that many. In my opinion, that's debatable because the lack of turnovers for Mariota that's, is huge. That's the thing. Is that's a, huge. Efficiency is the biggest thing. And like this team, if this Jaguars team had an efficient quarterback, yeah. that's all they need, man. And, and Blake Bortles has always been a more of a big play guy. Where you at, David Gerard? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, 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 think, I also think Mariota's in a perfect spot because he can be what he's good at, which is being an accurate quarterback. He can, um, be, he can hold on to the ball, be a game manager with elite skill set. Yeah, he can he can make all the throws and he can make these big plays and he can make he can go eighty yards on, on with his feet. We've seen it. <laughs> we've seen it, and he can and he can put the ball on a dime, but he doesn't have to right. for his team to have have success. And last year proved it. I mean, he had I think it was uh, looking at his stat. I mean, he got twenty six touchdowns and nine interceptions, which is would be stellar for yeah. Blake Bortles. Yeah, <laughs> that would be something else, obviously. Um, Bortles falls in third. I think some people might even put him at fourth if you had to ask some some writers because they would say uh, the combination of Tom Savage slash Deshaun Watson has more potential. And, you know, based on Savage and Bortles' head-to-head matchup last year, he would definitely take Savage <laughs> all day. I think Tom Savage is a decent, uh, a decent player. Uh, I don't think he'll last long. I think Watson will certainly, yeah, if he doesn't start the season as the starter, I think he will be the starter at some point during the season. I hope he starts. I want him week one. Yeah, I mean, you got to, yeah, I hope so too. I'd love to see Deshaun Watson play in our <laughs> yeah. defense week one. But uh, obviously, this isn't the most elite group of quarterbacks around the league. It's probably, honestly, one of the worst divisions in terms of quarterbacks. But. Luck and Mariota are both above-average quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bortles has the potential to be average to above-average. <laughs> That's awful, but true. And Savage has the potential to be average. 
Watson has the potential to be above average. Mm. Um, so that's how the AFC South uh, quarterback rankings are kind of breaking down for us. Now our final segment we'll get into is my favorite. It's our only game that we play on a weekly basis. Started it a few weeks ago. Uh, keep one, let one walk. This week we've got Dante Fowler and Blake Bortles. Oof. What do we think, Scott? It's... Looking at the positions, there's a glaring <laughs> difference between the two. Yep. Um, but looking at the players, they're kind of similar. Uh, they're pretty raw. They need work on their fundamentals. Um, Blake Bortles has found what he does okay. A I mean, bit. he's shown he's shown it in the NFL. Yeah, he's, he's shown it in games for entire games. Yeah, Dante Fowler. He's got a year under his belt. He didn't really show a lot outside of his athleticism, but that's been his mo. And, I mean, obviously he's already extremely adept at stunting. Yeah. I, I think you would, have, you would have to take Blake Bortles because of the position, because of he's shown some semblance of having success in 2015 where he had you know, a good statistical year where you would hope he would throw less turnovers. But if he's anything like last year – that's the wrong decision. Yeah. I mean, it's the most recent thing we've seen from him tells you to stay away from this guy. Well, the most recent we've seen, the last two games of the season under Doug Marone, he was actually It was better. Yeah. I mean, he was solid under Doug Marone in the last two games. No interceptions in the last two games. Mm -hmm. Two touchdown passes, over 300 yards both games. uh, Put his team in positions to win. Yeah. For the most part. And you hope he brings that into the next year and yeah it just rolls in and keeps the momentum but the, i mean the reason i would take Bortles is really only because what do you have behind him at quarterback yeah what do you have besides dante fowler at pass rusher well you've got unique Ngakwe, mm-hmm. you've got calais campbell you've got Laurenti McRae, who you feel kind of confident can be an effective situational pass rusher. And right now Dante's the second guy. Right. The, he's uh, not the he's starter at Leo. Yeah. Or whatever you want to call that position now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're both going to go with Blake there, which is that's a that's a tough one. It's sad that it's Cause, our cuz Fowler could be a great player still. Yeah. We don't know. And Blake could be a great player still. We don't know. And I believe you're about to say it's sad that that is our 2014 and 2015. Top five picks. Yeah, top five overall draft picks. And the reason it's so interesting here in this debate is not because they're both playing so well, but because you really don't know what you have in them still. (laughs) That's crazy. It is. Not to try to end the show on a sad note, (laughs) You know, it is what it is. It's, that's it's, that, that's it's, where the Jaguars are. It's not a sad note. It's a note. It's a note of potential. Of what? <laughs> what does the future hold? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> we certainly will find out come September. It's going to be a fun. 
Definitely a fun season to follow the Jags. Highest expectations they've had in many, many years around here. And like we said earlier in the show, after this minicamp wraps up on Thursday, the Jaguars are going to have about five weeks off. And Blake Bortles will be out in California. We don't really know what everyone else is going to be doing. But they'll reconvene sometime around July 20th, maybe a little bit before that. I can't remember the exact day right now for training camp. And that's going to be the real start of football. I mean, once training camp starts, you've only got two weeks until two and a half, two to three weeks until preseason games start. And then, you know, you've got your four weeks of preseason. And then September, second week of September, you get NFL football. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Uh. Now, the next five weeks are going to be just about the deadest period in the NFL year. It's, we're going to now be the uh, solitaire podcast. Just talk about... <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to get creative <laughs> to bring you guys content. Now, we've said that before, and it's seemingly every week something new yeah. has come up for <laughs> us to, to talk about. Right now. But we'll see how it goes over the next five weeks. We'll certainly uh, keep coming at you with more content and have a good time. Maybe we'll get into some more deep film studies or who knows, come up with some more games. But that's going to do it for our show. Again, this is the 33rd episode of the Gen Jag podcast presented, as always, by Bold City Brewery. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Uh, follow the show online, <clears throat> genjag.com, all the latest news and analysis. Follow on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. On Twitter at Generation Jag. Follow Scott Klein on Twitter at Scott Klein One. You can follow myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, make sure to give us reviews on SoundCloud or iTunes if you can, trying to get those scores up. And uh, make sure to let us know any feedback you have in the comments section. Let us know if there's anything else you'd like us to cover. Tell us if we're stupid. Tell us if you love us. We need all the feedback we can get. And thanks again for listening to the show. Have a great weekend, Duval. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to the Jinjag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at jinjag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Blog and deal all day. We'll catch you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.